Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. Today, I'm going to go ahead and jump into this child. I've, just not, I've, I've titled this message today, What Child Is This? And we're going to look at five reasons why Jesus is the final word to mankind. Um, <clears throat> it's important that we remember this so that we don't look for anything else, that we keep the main thing the main thing, and we remember what this is really all about. I mean, God has pointed everything to Jesus, and it delights him to do it. He has made him the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the Scripture says. Now, it takes me a while to even chew on that to just think about what that even means. He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is the expression of God himself. He is God. And today, we're going to look at this child, this babe in Bethlehem. This is going to be a blessing to you. And if you would take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews 1, uh, we're going to start now in verse 1. And it says this, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days, everybody say these last days, Spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory, this is what Jesus is to God. He is the brightness of his glory. He is the express image. I lost my place. Of his person, there it is. And and upholding all things by the word of his power. Notice it doesn't say the power of his word. It says the word of his power. This is beautiful. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, and he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Father, thank you for these next few moments under your the hearing of your word, the preaching of your word. I thank you, Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ now to be upon your people. We thank you that you illuminate your word by your spirit. Your spirit is who guides us into all truth. You've given us an anointing that teaches us all things. So we say, Lord, teach us today. Expand us today. Increase us today in your word, God, so that we are better for it. We know that you came to give us life and that more abundantly, so we're here to take another bite out of that abundant life, and we thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. What's interesting here, clearly the central declaration here in this, these four verses are God spoke. God spoke by the prophets, and God spoke to us by his son. And that indicates that the answer to the question of what child is this is that that babe that is lying in Mary's lap in Bethlehem is the ultimate, the complete word of God to mankind. John chapter 1 says it like this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 3 says, He was in the, or two, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And verse 14 says, And the word became flesh 
and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And here in this passage, we're going to see that Jesus is the word of God with certain phrases that give five wonderful reasons why the child in Bethlehem is God's final word to man. And let's look at back at verse one for just a moment. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. When you open up the Old Testament, you're reading the word of God spoken to the fathers by the prophets. How many different ways God spoke to men in dreams and in visions and sudden appearances. In that wonderful act of inspiration that nobody fully understands where somebody speaking the words that come to his mind and his heart are uttering the very words of God. There's no way that men could foresee what was coming, but they could declare it by inspiration of God. David gives graphic description from Jesus' view at the cross in Psalm chapter 22. Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. No way he could have known that outside of revelation by the Spirit of God. These these prophecies were uttered forth. These visions were given and dreams as to point us at something other than what we are experiencing. uh, Something other than what we were seeing or what we were knowing at that time comes to us in many different forms. You open Genesis, you see the very straightforward but majestic and moving tale of creation. As the scripture says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. One version says the Spirit of God was vibrating over the face of the waters. And then in Genesis, we see creation and we see the fall, the flood. And this is followed by these these simple narratives of the lives of the patriarchs, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Then we move to Moses and the miraculous exodus from Egypt where God performed great signs and wonders and miracles before Pharaoh to deliver them from bondage. This and then the, uh, the, the sweet songs of the psalmist David follow up and, and these beautiful wisdom of Proverbs and the tenderness of Song of Solomon. And the rest of the Old Testament is filled with these prophecies, these exalted visions of these prophets declaring the word of God spoken in times of crisis in the nation of Israel over and over again. And yet they continue to lift up their eyes and to, to see far beyond their time their place to events that God would certainly unfold when the time was right. And it's only when you open the Gospels and begin to read of the Lord Jesus, who he was and what he did, what he said, how he lived life, how he handled situations, never shaken by man, never shaken by circumstances. And all the utterance of the prophets began to merge into one great voice and we get God's final word to mankind in this man, Jesus Christ. All the the words that were uttered, these, and, and continue. As you read through the Gospels, you see 
as Jesus is living, ever so often it would say that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled by the prophet, that it might be fulfilled by the prophet. And we see him living out this word that was uttered thousands of years before and just walking it out. He walked into the temple one day in the book of Luke chapter 4. It says they handed him the book. They handed him the book of Isaiah. And he opened it up. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty those who are captive to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and said, today this has been fulfilled in your eyes. They were reading about this person and now here he stands before them fulfilling that very thing. And they're all amazed at his confidence and his authority by which he spoke. This, Jesus didn't just go look up a passage. You have to understand how the synagogue worked. They, they had to follow certain structure and certain rules, and there was a ruler of the synagogue actually there to make sure that it was all done decently and in order. He was handed the book. Jesus didn't say, oh, I feel like reading Isaiah today. No, they handed him the scroll. They handed him the book that he was to read, and he opened it up, and he couldn't just go look up any passage. He had to follow the, the previous uh, reader before, the, the rabbi before, and so what he had to do was go find the place where the guy left a little dot at the end, just a little ink dot so he knew that that is his beginning spot. And it just so happens that the son of the living God, thousands of years later after this is penned, happens to walk into the synagogue on this day, be handed that book, find the ink blot, and start to read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. These are events that are fashioned in By the living God himself, no man could ever construct something so perfect and something so miraculous. The great river, the Missouri River, has its beginnings at a place called Three Forks, where the Jefferson, the Madison, and the Gallatin Rivers converge to form it. The longest single river in North America as well as the major portion of the Missouri-Mississippi River system from the headwaters near Three Forks to its discharge all the way into the Gulf of Mexico. It's an amazing, an amazing water system. This is where the, the Missouri River begins, where these three tributaries meet. But the Jefferson and the Madison and the Gallatin don't begin there. They start off in little creeks and up in mountains and hills where trickles began to form into streams and, and, they, and little streams continue to come together and, 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 and make a greater flow. And before long, they all meet at this place called Three Forks, the very beginning of this massive river called Missouri. God spoke from various places. He spoke through various times and through various people and different events, through prophets, through the, these ages, these, this ageless word, this message that would culminate into one person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. God said of these things to say this one thing. I'm a songwriter and uh, I've written lots of songs over the years and I found it frustrating as a, as a songwriter. It's not always difficult to write the chorus of the song, uh, which is the main point of the song. It's difficult to write the verses that lead up to the chorus. And uh, the chorus, you want to make it as memorable as possible. That's the part where people 
people remember the most is the chord. They call it the hook, right? It's, it's, that, it's that melody that you can't get out of your head, right? That's why commercials have all these jingles all the time. They sing a little phrase or something. 800, what is it? 580-2300 Empire, right? And they get, you, they get these songs in your head all the time, and you find yourself singing these silly songs. Why, how did that song get in my head? Because it's got a hook to it. It's got a, it's got a melody that grabs you. We're so connected to music, and it's such a beautiful ex- expression of how we can give praise to God. It's this great gift that God has given us. But in songwriting, the discipline is, is to try to make sense of what, <laughs> make sense of what you're saying. Those verses, the reason it's difficult and the reason a lot of times you don't remember the verses to a song is because they're not really the point of the song. They're simply just saying, I'm saying this so I can say this. I'm getting these words out of the way so I can get to this point right here. Right? This is what these prophets are all saying. I'm saying this. We're saying, God is saying, I'm saying this to say this. That this babe that is lying in Mary's lap is the king of the world. Saying this to say that. And you'll hum and you'll make up words through verses you don't know because you don't care until you get to that chorus and then you're all out singing it. Right? That's what gets you. Jesus. Jesus is the culmination. He's the chorus of God's song. Hallelujah. He's the main point. He's the reason why we're singing today. He's the reason why we're making the music. He's the reason why we come here today and, and sang our praises to him. He's the hook. He's the melody of our lives. Now, let's look at verse 2. The second reason why this child in Bethlehem is God's final word to man is that it says, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed, heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So there is this beginning in the past, he created the worlds, and there's the end of the future, he's the heir of all things. Now I have people ask me from time to time as a pastor, um, is this, are we really in the last days? When is all this going to end? Friday. All right, so just mark your calendars. 21st, we're out of here, all right? Happens to be our son's birthday. I said, How'd you, what do you think about that, Dylan? We're go, Lord, the world is ending on your birthday. Wow. You know, I, when, is, when is all this going to come to a crashing halt? Well, I don't know. It might happen Friday. Maybe. But here's the truth. It is coming to an end. We know that. It, it, it is all coming to an end because Christ is going to make everything right again. He's, he, he is going to turn every injustice around. He's going to right all the wrongs. And he's coming and he's going to establish his kingdom on the earth. And he is going to show us how it's done. Hallelujah. The son of the living God will return. People ask me sometimes, how come you don't teach on eschatology or end times? Because here's the thing. All the experts out there don't even know what they're talking about. I mean, it's just over and over again. We see it again and again, proved wrong, proved wrong, proved wrong. There's, no, there's just no such thing as an expert on it. You know why? Because we're not supposed to know. Yeah. <laughs> we're wasting our time talking about things we don't, we're not supposed to know about. Amen. Amen. Even Jesus doesn't know. 
He said the Father's kept that in his own power. <laughs> I don't even know. You know why Jesus don't know? Because he cannot keep a secret. If he knew, he'd tell you. He gave you everything. We're in covenant with him. God couldn't keep secrets from Abraham. That happened a long time ago. They come to Abraham, and God's about to leave, and he says, should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do in Sodom? And Abraham said, what's that? And he told him, I'm going to go destroy that city. And Abraham said, "Uh, you're going to destroy everybody? The righteous and the wicked together? Shouldn't the judge of the earth do right? It's, this is how you can talk when you're in covenant with one another. So that's when he began whittling away. If there's 50 righteous, would you, would you spare the city? I'll spare the city for 50 righteous. Well, how about 40? How about 30? I'll spare it for 30. How about 20? How about 10? That's where we get the term Jewing down. <laughs> and he got down to 10. You heard about the little Jewish boy that came to his dad and asked him for $40? He said, $30? I don't have $20. What do you want $10 for? <laughs> well, I heard a Jewish man, he told me one time, he told me one time, he said, you know why God created Gentiles, don't you? I said, no. He said, somebody has to pay retail. <laughs> but God could not keep this secret from a man he's in covenant with. That's why Jesus don't know, because he'd just tell you. But the Father has kept it in his own power. And the disciples even asked him, will you at this time restore the kingdom after Jesus is raised from the dead? He said, it's not for you to know the times and seasons. He said, but listen, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. You shall receive power, that is, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. This is why we're here, to be witnesses of him. This is, this is our story. This is what needs to be on our mouths. I do know this. Jesus is coming back. I do know that much is true. I don't know about all those events and what's, what's literal in Revelation and what's, I, I, I don't care. Jesus is coming back. Amen. But he's not only at, the, see, that's what, Jesus is there waiting for us, ladies and gentlemen. He's there. He's there, the heir of all things. He's already there waiting on you. He's waiting on you. He'll be there because he's the author and the finisher of your faith. But not only is he there, look back in the beginning to the very creation, and there you find him. The most wonderful thing that this Christmas story brings before us is this almost unbelievable truth that the baby who lies in Mary's arms is the one who created the entire universe. Think about our galaxies teeming. This whole universe is teeming with millions of galaxies, billions. And it takes hundreds of thousands of light years to cross even one of them. And it was brought about by the hand of the baby in Bethlehem. There is none before him and there is none beyond him. Jesus stands at both ends, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Third reason why this child in Bethlehem is God's final word to man is this. Look at verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory 
and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Caleb, come up here, you good-looking thing. Do me a favor, fella. Take this guitar. What's, what's your strong, hand, strong arm? All right. It's, it's not hurt or anything, is it? All right. Hold that straight up above your head. Just stand there for a while. The word, God's word, is the expression of his power. It says that he upholds all things. He bears up under it by the word of his power. The word of his powerful. Everything is in its place, and it's in its time, in its purpose by the word of his power. That son stays 93 million miles away because it's held there by the word of his power. The seas don't just overtake all the land because they're held back by the word of his power because God said, let the land and the waters separate. And God separated darkness from light. And that's why they never converge. Because they're held there by the word of his power. And gravity, as Caleb is experiencing the weight of gravity at this time, is working, is continuing to do its function because it's held by the word of his power. Yes. Amen. This is why you can trust God. Because his word never comes back void. It always accomplishes what he purposes it to accomplish. It prospers in the thing for where it is sent. There's no emptiness in his words. In his words, there is creation. There is life. There is substance. There is power. How you doing? <laughs> Caleb is going to be determined to stand here as long as I want him to because he's, he's just that stubborn. I, I, know, I know him and Brandon well enough that there's just this thing in them they won't get, they won't be beat. So, <laughs> so let's all just stand here and silence and admire this man's strength as he upholds. Oh! You did great. Thank you. Thank I you. appreciate you. Let's, let's give Caleb a hand. Thank you for your help there, buddy. <laughs> Caleb has an ability for a moment of power, but it is temporary, as all of us do. But the Bible teaches us that God's Word is forever settled in heaven. It's beautiful. And that when you speak the word of God, it becomes the most powerful thing on the earth. Right. Hebrews chapter 4 says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, yes. piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. That's pretty sharp. If you can divide soul from spirit. 
piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, that is this flesh here, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God has this penetrating power that, that nothing can stop its effect. Now watch. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. If you look that word two-edged up in the Greek, it means twice-spoken. Sharper than any twice-spoken. That is, God speaks it, there's one edge, and you speak it. And there's the other edge. And at that moment, it becomes the most powerful thing. So what others say, it doesn't matter what has been said. If you come into agreement with the Word of God, if you de decide you're going to say what God says anyway, it doesn't matter what report is out there, it changes that report. Nothing is more powerful than that than somebody who will agree with God. Jesus said, it's your traditions, it's the traditions of men that make the Word of God of no effect. I've asked people this, is there anything more powerful than the Word of God? No. Yeah, there is one thing. It's the traditions of men. It makes it of no effect. But when it is mixed with faith, hallelujah, we, hallelujah, we imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. They receive what God has said. You, that's why I'm saying, you, if, if he will do all this, the sun came up again today. Why? Because it's held there by the word of his power. And it's going to go down tonight and it's going to come up again tomorrow. All that's going to continue to happen because God is faithful. Because God remains faithful. Even though we are faithless, the scripture says he remains faithful. He's showing us this over and over again, this, this repetition so that we can learn. He can be trusted. And his word is true, and his word is life, and his word will come to pass if you'll put it into effect. Yeah. Amen. So we see this, glory to God, he upholds all things by the word of his power. He exalts his own word, even above his own name. Look at the second part of verse 3. When he had by himself, everybody say by himself. By himself. Only Jesus could do this. Only Jesus could do it. No man could help him accomplish this. Jesus was completely and utterly alone in that redemptive work. He couldn't even couldn't have the disciples pray for him. He gets there in the garden and he says, help me, pray, pray with me. Because he knew he was dying. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. And you know what? Where do we find the disciples? Well, let's not be too hard on them. They just couldn't do anything. They really couldn't assist. Jesus had to take the full brunt, the full burden of all of our sin. And all men could do was sleep because Adam fell asleep thousands of years before when he believed the wrong thing. He partook of that fruit and fell asleep. And all men who were born after him were born asleep, dead in sin. See, it wasn't, it wasn't what we were doing that was messing everything up. It was who we were. It wasn't the action of man. It was the condition of man. The fact that you were born, just the very fact that you were born, you were born right into sin. Woo! Isn't that exciting? Huh? There's nothing you could do about it. So God had to fix it. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll make him born all over again. That'll fix it. But no man could do that. Nicodemus said, am I supposed to climb back up in my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel when I say you must be born again. 
That's what changes the man. The condition has to be changed. Jesus didn't just come and and do righteous acts. He didn't become a sinner. He became sin. He got right at the root of the problem. He who knew no sin, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we could get a new condition. That we could become the righteousness of God in him. Not, 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 not so that we could be people who are able to do righteous things. That we'd get a whole new nature of righteousness. We've got his righteousness. Hallelujah. And so then yeah. the righteousness just fruited out of us. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. It's just what we do. We just fruit righteousness. <laughs> not something we have to work at being. That's what religion does. Religion works at righteousness. We is righteousness. Hallelujah. I mean, think about it. Let's just, for a moment, there are a lot of other people out there living cleaner lives than you are. They're called cults. They're called false religion. Just name them. I have some neighbors down the street. Sold out to it. I mean, they're good people, but they don't drink coffee. That's part of their religion. I'm out on that one, for sure. But it says he by himself purged our sins. He didn't, he didn't just cover our sins. It was, the only thing that could cover sins was the blood of bulls and goats. For a long time, the high priest would show up in that holiest place of all with that bowl of blood. Can you imagine? He better make sure everything has been right. He better make sure everything's been confessed before he walks in there. Yeah. Amen. Right? And that his suit got, got ironed real nice. And, because if he went in there with any flaws at all, dead. But the scripture says he went in there not without blood and he poured that blood over that mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And for a year, it covered the sin. But it could never purify the heart. But Jesus, the once for all sacrifice with his own blood by himself took that handwriting of requirements out of the way nailing it to his cross, washed us in his blood, and not, did he, not only he didn't just cover our sins, he removed those sins. Amen. Scripture says, I will be merciful. I will be merciful. I will remember your lawless deeds no more. Glory to God. He by himself. This is why this babe in Bethlehem is the final word to mankind. He is God's exclamation point. He is everything God has been trying to say to us. He's the final and complete word of God to man. We have a problem in this world. We do have a sin problem. It's hard to imagine what just happened this past week when a young man walked into an elementary school and blew away a bunch of little kids. It's just hard to imagine that until you understand what the Scripture says. We're in sin. This is the product of sin. This is the product of Adam going astray. This is why we have to declare this gospel. I love that that scripture was preached this morning. or It was preached. Mark can't help himself but preach when he reads the scriptures. I could listen to that guy read the Bible all day long. You need to record yourself reading that. It's so good. But I love what it says. Because if we're not careful, we, we get silent we buy into this 
dumb philosophy. There was, there was uttered many years ago by a monk that said, let us preach the gospel and use words if we have to. That's ridiculous. The gospel is words. How shall they hear without a preacher? Not how shall they watch if you don't live right. How shall they hear without a preacher? Glory to God. This gospel is a declaration. Christ died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again the third day. He is seated at the right hand of God. Whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's the greatest message that could ever fall on man's ears. You confess with your mouth all of your sins, you rotten sinner. No, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Why are we making that so hard for people to get to heaven when God made it so easy? Glory to God. Believe on him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the power of that gospel because that's what saves men. Not my little prayer. I need to make sure I pray with them. The gospel saves men. It's not my job to get people saved. It's my job to preach the gospel because the gospel saves men. Hallelujah. Amen. It does it all by itself. It has all the power in it. And all it needs is somebody to attach their faith to it. And at that moment, they became, become a whole new creation. Amen. That's better preaching than your amen in. But I don't have time to wait on you. Let's finish up here. <laughs> the fifth reason why the child in Bethlehem is God's final word to man is this. Look at verse 4. Having become so much better than the angels. Those angels are pretty great. But he's become so much better than them. As he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Turn to Revelation chapter 5. We'll finish with this scripture. Speaking of end times. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That's a lot of people. 
saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them. I heard them saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Hallelujah. Let's shout to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. You're in that number. You're there. You're in that number. In the spirit, you're already there. There is no beginning or end. It's eternal life we have. You're there right now. Hallelujah. Giving him praise. And when you shed this body, you're going to see what it's all about. Hallelujah. I love what Peter said. I don't see him yet. We don't see him, but we know him. Me and Brandon were talking about this. I know him even though I've not seen him. Woo! We're going to see him all of his splendor and say, that's him that I know. That's him that saved me. That's him that washed me in his blood. It's him. I know him. I've never seen him, but I know him. But man, when we see him, we, when we see him, Those eyes that are flames of fire. That robe that is dipped in blood. That hair that is like wool. That face that shines brighter than the morning sun. We'll never get over him. We'll always be enraptured by this person, this man. Our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who so willingly gave up his life for us, who came as a baby, born in a manger, so that we would all know that his love reaches to the lowest of the low. There's no person on this earth that is outside the reach of his love and the power to save them. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things, by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, we love you and we thank you so much that you loved us so much that you gave us Jesus. You sent your son into this world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God, you didn't complicate things by giving a whole bunch of answers and a whole bunch of paths and a whole bunch of religions. You made it all very simple for all of us. You took all the confusion away and helped us by giving us one solution, one answer. God so loved the world that he gave the world Jesus. Hallelujah. And Father, we are glad recipients of your son today. We thank you that Jesus Christ came to this earth, born of a virgin, hallelujah, lived 
a sinless life, worked miracles. God was with him and he healed all who were oppressed by the devil and he did good. And he died on a cross for our sins and was buried in a tomb and rose again three days later. He was in all points tempted just like we are, yet without sin. Thank you that he showed us and continues to show us by his spirit and by your word that we too can live a victorious life every day of our lives. Father, I thank you for everyone here today under the sound of my voice, and I thank you, God, for your grace and peace to be multiplied to them. Today, if you're here and you've never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, you've never accepted him as your personal Savior, and you want to be saved today, this isn't about church membership. This isn't about doing what's right. This is about getting a new life today by simple faith in him. There's no way you can have new life. There's no way change can really matter for you until you put your life in his hands. This is all truly coming to an end. And then it's eternity. It's eternity. God made a way for you to have everlasting life. There is eternal destruction waiting for those who refuse. But God didn't make that place for men. He made that for Satan and his enemies and his demons. But men choose to go there because they choose to reject this beautiful gift of salvation. And I don't want to leave anybody out here today. I want to give you the opportunity. It's important. This is, this is vital for your life today. You must be born again if you want to see God. You must be born again if you want all your sins washed away. You must receive what Jesus did for you by simply believing Every head bowed and every eye closed for a moment. Are you here? And you say, Pastor Eric, that's me. I, I need to be saved today. I want to know. I want to know that heaven is my home. I, I want to know God as my father. I, I want to receive what Jesus did for me. I believe that, and I need him in my life. Are you here today? Just raise your hand. Just me and you and God. Nobody's looking around here. Are you here today? Are you here today? Anybody here today, and you're just away from God? You have surrendered your heart to Jesus, but, but you're away from him, and you know it. And you just need to come back then. Would you just acknowledge that by lifting your hand? I'll pray for you too. Are you here today? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you now for your word going deep into our hearts. Thank you, God, that it produces life for us. It is alive. Lord, may we take this word into these, this holiday season amongst loved ones and coworkers and family and friends, God that we'll have the opportunity, we always have the opportunity, that God, we will see that opportunity and seize that opportunity to speak these words that save men's lives. In the name of Jesus, thank you for the beautiful gospel. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.